Welcome to New Kids on the Block, a podcast for newcomers who want to explore blockchains and cryptocurrencies. On this show, we discuss and dissect all things crypto for beginners and intermediate users and help them navigate their way through this fascinating yet overwhelming new space. Let's dive right in. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the New Kids on the Block podcast. We're coming to you tonight. Uh, I should say tonight because it is uh, the evening for us here in the Eastern time in the U.S. I am uh, Fody Philochorus, and we're zooming. Uh, we're zooming into the week. I'm, I'm joined by my co-host Yudu. Yudu, how you doing tonight, man? Pretty good, Fody. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm juiced. I'm excited. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we got through the first episode. Uh, we were able to kind of, sl- you know, slog through a bit of of what's going on with, uh, you know, with Bitcoin and and distributed ledgers and all that stuff. And uh, we have we have some kind of interesting topics uh, to to hop into, uh, you know, tonight. I should say, um, you know, before I do, what's on your mind? Uh, how did you feel the first episode went? I, I thought it went well. I think um, obviously I look forward to to the listeners' feedback, and I'm glad we we're able to give this content to everyone, and hopefully they'll enjoy it. Definitely let us know uh, if you have any feedback, any thoughts, or areas of improvement. I'm happy to to take those feedback and then hopefully we'll we'll do better. Absolutely. 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 So a uh, new segment I think I want to introduce um, this week is kind of a, a weekly roundup. Now, you, you know, you and me were talking kind of off pod about how information kind of moves so quickly in this space that you know, I'm bringing up things and you mentioned, well, I, I knew about that already. That came out three days ago. And I said, well, you know, for the average mortal, um, these are, these are kind of things that I think, uh, you know, I caught up on that are, that are probably significant and, uh, introducing the new segment this week, the weekly roundup. Are you ready to go? All right, let's do this. Okay. All right. So first interesting, uh, thing that I've seen, uh, today SEC Chairman uh, Gary Gensler came out and said basically that the U.S. will not ban cryptocurrencies. I think there was some uh, interesting news and, and questions coming out in despite of kind of what's going on with with China. You know, the, the market is, is is reacting favorably. Now, it's anyone's guess the the total the totality of that effect. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Gensler and, and, and what he uh, what he came out with? Yeah, Gary Gensler is a really interesting guy, right? Like, especially when it comes to his stance on cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin, DeFi in general, he has flip flopped uh, over the f- past several years. And uh, if you're not familiar with him, he started out as a banker at Goldman Sachs. Uh, he, you know, obviously made banks there, and then um, he later, uh, kind of re- after the, the elect- 2016 election, he kind of retreated. Um, into the academia and started teaching cryptocurrencies of all things at MIT for a few years. So funny enough, during his his tenure there, he was this super innovative, you know, forward-thinking professor who advocates for cryptocurrencies and blockchains. You can literally go on the internet right now and find uh, videos of him advocating for, for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So it's really ironic and funny now like a few a few days ago or maybe a few weeks ago i should say when he came out uh, all against crypto and saying you know, how DeFi should be banned and everything you know negative all about crypto however um this time uh he did kind of take a, a slightly softer stance against bitcoin 
um, I think that could be a good sign for the market. And to your point, um, Fody, we definitely saw the market react favorably. Uh, I think Bitcoin hit 50K today and kind of stay there um, in that region um, pretty comfortably. So there may be, may or may not be a connection between SEC's favorable stance uh, on Bitcoin and how the market reacted. But I, th I think definitely Gary Gensler's comments um, does make a dent in the market on the market. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think you touched on it, which is like such good pod synergy here, touching upon Bitcoin, how it, how it broke kind of support. Mm -hmm. uh, we're above 50K. I mean, are we in a bull market? I guess the people <laughs> want to know, right? I mean, that's that's the, the million dollar or billion dollar question, right? Like, I think there has been a lot of debate on where we are in the market cycle. Um, I think the short answer is nobody can say for sure. There has been a lot of people who are arguing for uh, what they call a, a double double bubble or double top market, similar to what we had in 2013, uh, where the market peaked uh, early in the year, and then it went to a low, and then uh, you know kind of went to a second top later on in the year. So that's one school of thoughts. And the other school of thoughts is that we are in this, what they call the Wyckoff distribution mode. Um, after the, the the June, sorry, the May um, distribution, we're continuously going downwards. Some people were what I call the, kind of the, the permanent bears were arguing that we are still in that bear market um, trend. What we're seeing right now, they would argue is a um, uh, what they call a kind of a complacency shoulder or complacency bounce, meaning that you know the, the market will will react you know probably unfavorably from this point on, right? So I guess the short answer is nobody really knows what's going to happen. But um, yeah, definitely we're having a great week and we'll see how it goes for the remainder of the year. Yeah, I think I'm going to buy Bitcoin after that. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to make any recommendations to our users and to our listeners. But, you know, that that sounds pretty promising. To it's me. been a good so, week for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been good. Uh, breaking that 48K support, uh, you know, over a two week uh, after the two week crash of what yeah. we saw. Hopefully some folks got in uh, and bought, uh, uh, you know, bought the dip. Uh, that's always the goal when we're, when we're talking about this kind of investment. But again, this is not investment advice. So let's yeah. move on to yeah. the next item, I think, and the next piece of news that I thought was significant. On the other side of the world, we have, uh, you know, the, the, the Amazon of the East, Alibaba, announcing a, a cryptocurrency ban on their platform. Uh, according to Beijing uh, directives um, and and kind of the the crypto ban on China going into effect October eighth, so uh, this coming uh, this coming weekend, I believe. Obviously, Bitcoin fell back at the time of the the initial news, and it it, it has rebounded since. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, maybe about the fifteenth time that China has banned <laughs> cryptocurrency. Yeah, well, I think it's technically the seventeenth time, but uh, I get your point. But that really just tells the whole story, right? Like China has been, especially the Chinese government has been uh, acting unfavorably against uh, cryptocurrencies, you know, including Bitcoin, ETH and everything else pretty consistently over the past few years. And in my opinion, as somebody who's intimately familiar uh, with the, the, the inner workings of the government, I, I don't think this is something that we, we should care as much as we used to. I think a few years ago when we were talking about, oh, China's going to ban Bitcoin, the market would act like crazy. Like, you know, we're going to see like a big red candle, you know, down like 20% in one day. However, if you look at what has happened since, every time 
in the past few years, every time China announced any type of uh, anti-cryptocurrencies news, the impact on the market has been less, lesser and lesser. If you look at the impact on the, on the daily chart, it's getting less and less, which tells you that the market is able to absorb any type of negative news coming out of China. And it's almost at this point, just like, you know, you're just crying wolf, right? Nobody's going to believe you anymore um, next time you ban it. And, um, but yeah, to, to sum up, I don't think this is a, a real deal. Like it is a, a real deal in the sense that people are losing access to the exchange, but, you know, the users, the Chinese investors are going to find different ways to flee to a different exchange. Maybe they can go offshore. It's not going to stop them. You know, whatever the government says, don't not do it. It's not going to stop them from doing what they want to do, which is really, if you think about it, is the whole tenet of decentralization, right? You should be able to control your own investment decisions. You should not be, you know, mandated or be, you know, required by government to not do anything. Right. Yeah. So speaking of decentralized, um, you know, benefits of, of, of cryptocurrency, the Federal Reserve has announced that they are planning to start a review of the p- potential v- benefits and risks of issuing a central mm-hmm. bank digital currency. So um, this is in reaction to kind of the People's Bank of China, mm-hmm. and they're kind of toying with the idea of issuing a digital yuan. Can you imagine a future where there is no more fiat cash and um, <laughs> the U.S. dollar is on your iPhone? Yeah, imagine that. Like, what ta- what kind of um, utopian or dystopian world that would be, right? So, my take on that is that I think it's it's bullish for crypto uh, in the long term. It might seem a little bit bearish right now because, um, you know, when you have the big banks, the, the central banks coming in trying to replace the their current um, current paper currencies with the digital currencies, they are going to take a very centralized approach to it. And what you're seeing is that uh, I think just yesterday, uh, SEC announced um, some sort of legal action against CirclePay, which is the, uh, I would say, entity which issued uh, USDC, uh, Mm -hmm. the the stable coin coin from Coinbase. I think this really ties well together with that. So you could argue that they are banging or they're investigating um, USDC as a way to First of all, to curb the, the the issuing capability of Circle, in order to lay the foundation for them to issue their own central central bank uh, digital currency. If the real and this is like by the way, this is like conspiracy theory side of me is telling me is that um, they are going to use Circle or use USDC as the the foundational layer of their own CBDC. But that's just me. I could be wrong. Well, I mean, if uh, you know, if I'm if I'm reading the tea leaves of what Gensler's saying, you know, there's there's no reason why these people would be doing any nefarious things, right? They're, they're <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> Don't come after us, FBI. We we love you guys. Okay, so that that's super interesting. I mean, we're recording today, Tuesday, October fifth, twenty twenty one, and. If you've been, um, you know, on any type of social media, you'll know that, you know, Facebook and Instagram were down for a large portion of the day yesterday and the utter chaos and madness that ensued from, um, you know, a a 12 hour outage or or what have you um, for for the for the social media platforms. I can only imagine what uh, Karen will do when she goes to the grocery store to make a payment uh, with her uh, centralized currency on her phone. And uh, it goes down for a day and people can't get the bread and milk. I mean, it, 
it's 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 quite a quite a a funny idea in my mind anyway <laughs> one last thing uh i guess or a piece of news because we we should be wrapping this up here in a second um is just to talk about briefly nfts i know um you know it tends to be a little bit of a of a hot topic um according to data from market uh tracker uh, dap radar Mm-hmm. Um, sales volumes of NFTs in the third quarter of 2021 have passed or surpassed over $10 billion. What it's are your insane. thoughts? I mean, yeah. I think we can probably spend like a whole episode on NFTs, but just to touch on this quick, quickly, I think NFTs has been seeing some insane growth uh, in the past six months. Right. We're not even talking about the entirety of 2021. Basically, I think NFT started to heat up uh, in early 2021, around maybe April or March timeframe. And then from there, you're just seeing insane amount of adoption uh, in the what we call the, the normal world. Um, not saying we're, we're not normal, but there is a real world out there who does, does not know anything about crypto or NFTs. Right. However, NFTs was the first platform uh, where you know, we were able to bring in ordinary folks who knew nothing about this space. I think just recently, Steph Curry bought his first um, Board Ape, uh, which is one of the, the leading NFT programs on OpenSea. Uh, and that kind of kicked, kicked off this, this insane demand um, for the Board Apes, right? And then I think recently, uh, I think OBJ uh, also bought a CryptoPunk, uh, which also... Odell Beckham has, Jr., right? Yes. Football player in the NFL. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. He, along with a bunch of other football players, uh, got into the punk space, uh, which has had already been insane. Like you have to... I believe the last time I checked, the floor price of a CryptoPunk is in the region of maybe 200K dollars. I might be wrong on this, but the point being that the, the demand for these rare, digitally scarce... NFTs is crazy right now. And this, this has permeated throughout the entire society, not just in the crypto world, but into the into the ordinary uh, folks' life. Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, op- I read something that OpenSea, which is obviously the largest NFT marketplace, hit over $3 billion in sales uh, in August alone, mm-hmm. uh, which is more than uh, half of its overall sales volume, um, you know, in totality, which is... Yep just remarkable uh yeah, a struggle to find words to actually describe that um it's absolutely know. insane like yeah the, the amount of traffic that's happening on, on open sea it's insane and another angle to look at this is the gas fees uh, i know we're going to touch on what gas fees means but just you know on a high level uh, that's the amount of traffic or a measure that we can uh we can use to calculate you know how much traffic is going on right now and as we're recording, I'm looking at my, I have like a little gas tracker on my uh, web browser. The gas price for Ethereum right now is 127 guay. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll talk about that in, in great detail. And, and just to kind of put a coda on this, uh, this piece of news, um, shout out to, to one of our buddies, uh, Casey. Uh, we were talking about NFTs last night and uh, he just, uh, he gave the, the very classic uh, skit, um, from uh, I believe it was Mad TV, and it's uh, you know I, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it. Uh, I can't. Well, that's can't what we're really, here for, right? <laughs> yeah, I can't can't really blame you. Uh, you know, I I kind of get it. Uh, kind of don't. It kind of seems like a bubble to me, but we'll talk about that. Right. I think uh, in greater detail down the line. Uh, that was the weekly roundup. Thank you very much. You do. You're welcome. All right. Let's
let's crack on and let's talk about um, kind of what the focus of the main pod is, is supposed to be about today. Um, we talked about, um, you know, in, in, in last week's pod, uh, Bitcoin, the significance of distributed ledgers and kind of the underlying technology. And, you know, it, it was good to set that baseline because mm-hmm. today the, the topic of, of focus is going to be on Ethereum. Ethereum is has has stark contrasts, right? Mm-hmm. I think when, when you talk about the gold standards of cryptocurrency, you think of Bitcoin, but you know the silver, uh, you know, standard that's out there that you would compare up with, you know, up to it with, would be Ethereum. Very simple question: What the hell is Ethereum? Oh gosh, where do I start? Okay, so the best way to think about Ethereum. Maybe we can start with Bitcoin, right? So we already touched on Bitcoin, what Bitcoin is last week. And to me, the best analogy is that Bitcoin is acting like a, a very sophisticated calculator. Think about your, your uh, TI calculator, right? It's like super sophisticated calculator that, that, never, brokes, that never broke and always um, super accurate. However, Ethereum is more like a, a smartphone. Think about your iPhone. You have like, um, I don't know, hundreds of applications on your iPhone where you can do all kinds of things, right? You can you can check your, I don't know, check your bank balance. You can uh, interact with the bank. You can play video games. You can even trade um, different types of stocks or even crypto, et cetera. Um, this is what kind of what Ethereum does. It's, it's a network that allows you to compose different applications on the same network and you can use those applications to interact with each other you know, on a peer-to-peer basis, or even you can interact with, with a bunch of codes. It's what we call it, the smart, smart contract. And you can use those smart contracts to do decentralized finance. You, know, you can interact without a bank or with a protocol in order to gain yield, get yield from your savings. And you, you can even do NFTs, right? We just touched on how important or how hot NFT has been. So all of those things can happen on top of the Ethereum network. So it really is a internet computer, which allows you to do all kinds of things. So if Bitcoin is a hammer, then Ethereum is a Swiss army knife. Is that what I'm hearing? That's a great analogy. Yes. All right. You guys can quote me on that. I said something (laughs) smart on this podcast. Thank you very much. I'm signing off for tonight. No, there you go. Um, (laughs) So um, okay. So, so, I mean, I'm a, I'm a tech guy. I'm a, sure. I'm a software engineering guy. It, it sounds like Ethereum is a platform where there's a multitude of use cases, right? We, we talked about some of them, mm-hmm. um, briefly there. Um, what are, what are kind of, kind of some of the main use cases? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, the main ones uh, we already mentioned decentralized, decentralized finance or DeFi, uh, and also NFTs, uh, which stands for non-fungible tokens. Um, so without, like explaining too much on the technical details. The, the NFTs are basically, think about like a unique um, token that's on the blockchain that cannot be easily replica- replicated. And that's that's what makes it unique and digitally scarce. Um, and I know we're going to spend a whole new episode on, on, on NFT in a later time. Uh, but yeah, just to touch on it quickly, it allows you to, it's like a piece of digital art. Um, think about like a, like a Mona Lisa, you know, what if you, there's a digital copy of Mona Lisa on the blockchain 
which can be authenticated, which can be stored on the blockchain. So everybody can know that, okay, you have a copy of the Mona Lisa on the internet. How powerful would that be? What type of social recognition would you get from owning a unique copy of the Mona Lisa? So that's kind of the, 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 the aspect with NFTs, which makes it super um, attractive. And also um, really we're seeing a bunch of like arts collections, even like Christine's and um, I believe Sotheby's, they're coming to the space um, to, to auction on NFTs. Yeah, so I'm curious um, what your thoughts are on um, this kind of this concept that that came around a long time ago. So a little anecdote, I had a, a, a kind of a friend of a friend who mm -hmm. very early days was a pretty significant developer on the Ethereum project. Um, and uh, funny enough, uh, if, if anyone, you know, uses Facebook or utilizes Facebook and goes back in their memories, because uh, that's a kind of a feature that you have on Facebook, mm -hmm. where you can go back in time. Uh, I recall I was back in, uh, I think I just graduated college and I had posted some song lyrics because that used to be <laughs> trendy. It used to be a trendy thing to do. And I thought it was cool. <laughs> and uh, you have this guy. Who you still have that, by the way? I still have it, but I will okay. not. Uh, I will probably delete it if you go. That's look fine. I, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take a look at after the show. Don't audit my Facebook, you do. It's not about that. Okay, this is <laughs> this is serious business here. So anyway, back to the little anecdote. I am, um, you know, doing, uh, you know, trivial things and, and posting song lyrics about. Uh, I believe it was a childish Gambino lyric, right? Huh? Um, uh, rather chasing things. I never thought of, which was, you know, I thought was such a profound lyric at the um, time. And you have, uh, you have, uh, you know, th this gentleman that I know that, uh, that, that worked on one of the, the founding projects uh, at Ethereum. And he said, okay, if you really want to chase things never thought of, look up what decentralized autonomous organizations are or DAOs. Um, and I said, that doesn't look like it will help me in the dating game. Uh, delete, <laughs> right? But uh, taking a look back on, on, on DAOs, um, you know, that, that was kind of a, a concept that was unearthed by Ethereum developers, right. you know, in the infancy of the project. And it was, uh, you know, this kind of a concept that blockchain-based organizations were able to operate without any notion of, of centralized authorities, right? Mm -hmm. where, where, where rules and were, that were governed uh, within the organization were coded in software and administrative decisions were actually voted on by a community of the stakeholders that, right. that took place on the network. Um, you know, we haven't really seen anything like that, you know, significantly take off, but- right. You do see things like, you know, the meta cartel and, and, and some other organizations that are out there like that. And, you know, you mentioned the metaverse earlier. I mean, mm -hmm. it, is, does Ethereum and the Ethereum platform offer the potential for these types of ethereal uh, concepts to, to become <laughs> a reality in the future? That's that's such a great question. I, I'm, I'm loving, you know, the fact that you brought this up because I did not expect you to come here and talk about DAO, but. I am personally really fascinated with the concept of DAO, and I'm I'm actually in, in several DAOs right now. Uh, I'm still trying to explore um, the different types, the interactions, um, you know, within the DAO and kind of the inner workings of the DAO myself. But what I can say for now is it, this is going to be a game changer. 
right? If you think about like in the Web two world where people are still interacting in this kind of um, closed space, you know, um, based on the based on the internet, DAO is going to be a game changer, right? Because not only can you you have this governance system, um, you have the tokenomics. There's usually for each DAO, there's like a token, which is being used to for governance purposes. What that means is people can, based on the amount of tokens they own for this specific DAO, they can vote. They can vote on, on proposals that's being brought up by, by any member within the organization. So let's say if Fody, you and I were in a DAO, um, let's, let's just pick a random, let's call it like a Doge DAO, for example, if we're both, you know, speaking of Doge, I know oh, you're God. a passionate Not Doge investor. Doge, man. Not escape it. Yeah. Imagine if we're a Doge DAO like today, it was, oh, let's, I I'm, I want to make a proposal to let's say uh, fork do uh, fork Doge for example you know just totally hypothetical situation there's not investment advice but you know if we only want to do that let's say um, if Fody you own like a, a a million Doge coins right that would give you the voting power to put this proposal to the entire community and then have them vote on it and it's not just you anybody who has any amount of Doge coin or Doge DAO coin can vote on this proposal. So it's a pure community-based democratic situation or organization where uh, anybody have their own voice and can put forward any proposal they think that's gonna be good for the long-term benefits of the DAO. You know, not to get too deep into it, but I, I, I could see where that could become a really fascinating concept, I guess, you know, the, the legality of trying to do any type of significant business in that type of model is, is something else. Um, but I think you are starting to see certain types of organizations that spin up, mm -hmm. uh, especially around the realm of internet gambling and some of the offshore types of questionable business models that are out there um, that do form similar types of organizations, right? That kind of skirt a little bit of international law, um, right. but that, that might be a, a topic for, for another conversation. Sure. But yeah. Just, just one last point before we move on. Um, I think I, I agree. There's going to be some sort of uh, legal areas. Like, do you think, is DAO a person? Is DAO an entity, a company? I think there has been a lot of like legal debate about, you know, how do we organize, how do we define a DAO, right? I think those are type of things that are still being worked out from the legal perspective. Um, but I'm in the long term. I do think it's it's. I'm very bullish on DAOs. I think that's going to be another uh, huge topic for the remainder of the year, or and then for the years to come. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's really exciting to kind of see where that goes. We'll we'll keep our eyes on that and uh, hope to learn more about uh, DAOs in the future and our new foray into the Doge DAO because uh, <laughs> that is that's that's on paper now. It's recorded. That's on paper. Now we got to. That's a legal uh, contract. It's binding. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we're so going to put on the me. smart contract and then establish a, a Doge DAO right after the show. Everyone heard it. Okay, I'm just saying. Um, so, okay, so we, we talked about, uh, you know, Ethereum, um, kind of, you know, the stark contrast between that and, and what's going on with Bitcoin. You know, how do I actually take, you know, and transact with Ethereum what are what are what what are common wallets? I guess I, I, those are those are kind of the the common terminology that people use um, when they want to actually store their not only Ethereum but their cryptocurrencies. And once I once I actually figure out where I want to put it, 
Mm-hmm. So I have to pay to get that and transact with that. That's another good question. So I think we already talked about how you can buy your coins from certain exchange, let's say uh, Coinbase or Gemini. And uh, in order to really withdraw those coins off the exchange uh, into your own wallet or self-custody those coins, uh, you need certain wallets, right? The most common ones uh, for Ethereum specifically uh, include the the MetaMask. Uh, It's like a little fox thing. (laughs) Um, um, It can be inserted into your web, web browser and you can use it directly uh, to interact with any decentralized exchanges or any other um, kind of blockchain-based protocols. So keep in mind that is what we call a hot wallet, meaning that uh, the wallet is connected to the internet. So there's always a risk of um, you know private keys being leaked or being stolen or being hacked um, that could create some sort of issue of loss of funds. Uh, on the other hand, you have these code wallets such as um, Ledger and Treasure, um, which allows you to effectively store your coins offline into a code storage. The benefit for doing that is that you don't have to worry about, um, you, you can only use use it um, when, you, when you need to use them. So it would not be like technically stored whenever you're connected to the internet and it's going to be much safer and secure compared to the hot wallet. Yeah. And I think uh, MetaMask is a really great one. I think for, for the listeners where we'll post uh, a link to that in the show notes um, so that you guys can go and, and, and check out MetaMask and evaluate it on your own. Yeah. Um, but it's a really great extension to leverage um, one that uh, one that I personally use. Um, yeah. And in, in, in terms of the, the, the cold storage ones, um, those are ones that can go on your phone or are they actually physical devices that they send you? Um, how does yeah. that work? Yeah. So, so the thing to keep in mind about cold storages is they, they don't connect to the internet. So you can't just store them in your phone. So these are like physical uh, devices uh, like PGP encrypted devices. They send to you, um, you know, usually via like a secure shipment. And then you have to make sure that you 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 keep uh, custody of the the seed recovery phase phrase uh, because those are the only way you can use to recover your your wallet in case you forget your password. And the thing about those these um, you know ledgers or treasures code wallets is that usually you get like free chances of of putting your password in, and if you you got them wrong um, three times in a row your ledger will be locked, right? And the, when, when that happens, the only way to recover that is to have those seed phrases, which is why you have to like be super careful with your seed phrases. Never put them in your phone, never take a photo of it. Always put them in a, a physical copy and store it somewhere safe. Never, 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 ever share your seed phrases with anyone else, including your, your significant other and your, your parents. That's the yeah, only safe thing. Don't trust nobody, right? You know, exactly. Um, yeah, I keep my seed phrases tattooed to my inner thigh, right? <laughs> right? That, uh, between me and and God, as they say. So, um, okay, so 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 that's fascinating. Um, now, once we figured out kind of you know the places that we can put Ethereum, once we actually purchase that token, what's you know when we talked about mining last week, we talked about kind of how 
for hosting the kind of the consensus algorithm that that confirms on the Bitcoin network, um, there's some sort of a payment that's associated with that. Is there a similar concept within Ethereum? I mean, is there is there some kind of mining mechanism with Ethereum that that constitutes some kind of payment when it's transacted upon? There is. So I think we touched on this last week. So Ethereum is still using a, a proof of work mining mechanism to confirm the transactions. Um, however, that is going to change uh, very soon. We're switching over from pr uh, proof of work to proof of stake. Um, the, the point being that, you know, we already talked about the kind of the environmental impact of mining uh, with Bitcoin. Uh, I think, you know, that's why people are, are thinking about what if we can switch to a different consensus mechanism, which does not require as, you know, significant amount of um, energy consumption, right? This is why people think about why don't we change the consensus model to proof of work, to proof of stake. So instead of having like, um, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of nodes confirming each transaction, uh, we just have these, these validators, right? These are um, validators um, who will be able to validate these transactions on the blockchain, um, you know, in order to 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 re relieve the amount of energy consumption on the network on the on the earth. Got it. And is that the same as as the term that you brought up earlier, which which is gas? Is that the same concept? So gas will, will happen regardless, right? Gas is being used. Uh, literally, as you know, think about if you need to drive your car from point A to point B, uh, you need to consume you know x amount of gas, right? So that would happen regardless of the proof of work and proof of stake. So that's what's being produced to to move the money from point A to point B. And who actually gets the gas? Like yeah, so so right now um, the miners uh, on the on the Ethereum network um, get gets the gas. I think. Um, Basically, when you send, let's say, if I send like a, a half half an ETH to you, um, there's probably like I don't know 0.03 Ethereum that's being paid to the miners uh, to make to validate that transaction for make it to happen. So that's that's the think about it as the cost to the network um, to move the money from point A to point B. Got it. Okay. So we we we've discussed Ethereum. We've discussed all the various different use cases um, that are on there, um, which are obviously constitute a, a bunch of different projects. We talked uh, briefly about wallets mm -hmm. and, and the notion of gas. I mean, you know, as we wrap up here, um, what are kind of some of the big improvements that you're excited about? I think we're both relatively bullish and, and excited about the, the Ethereum project in general. Um, it's never really a bad time to buy Ethereum. Um, in general, but you know what? What are what are some things out there? I mean, I know smart contract 2.0 was kind of something that was uh, on the horizon. Has that hit? You know, what else kind of gets you juiced about Ethereum? Great, great question. I think uh, I agree that you know I'm personally very bullish on Ethereum. However, um, there are some areas of improvement in order to make the network more efficient and cost cost effective. It's one of the main complaints about Ethereum right now is just the gas fee is just too high, right? And that's due to various reasons, right? The amount of traffic on, you know, for, for flipping NFTs is definitely one. And people using decentralized finance for, for yield farming um, and also, you know, just transacting on the network 
all of that will cause the the gas fee to be high. So how do we how do we address that, right? I think one opinion or or idea that was brought forward was to to establish a layer two solution. Since we're let's follow through with the um the driving analogy. If we are driving our car on the road and then you hit the traffic, right? It gets the roads get super crowded. So one quick solution is to what if we build a a highway? What if we build a bridge, which allows you to go much quicker, you know, from point A to point B? So that's that's what layer two solution is about. You know that they're going to build on top of the layer one Ethereum network to make the transactions go much faster and quicker. Got it. That hasn't dropped yet. Is that is that planning to come out anytime soon? What are yeah? What are so we're already starting to see uh, a few options uh, to be made available. Arbitrum was the main one that just dropped recently. Uh, personally, I'm already uh, using Arbitrum to to transact on Ethereum Layer Two. Um, it's been quite good, I would say, on uh, the experience in terms of the experience. Uh, my only complaint about Arbitrum is that there's a seven day uh, lockup period. So once you you move your funds from Ethereum layer one to layer two, you can move that immediately. However, if you want to move the money back to layer one or to other uh, layer layer two protocols, it takes uh, seven days to, to reach consensus. So that could be one argument against um, your R four further improvement in Ethereum. Imagine if you need to move your money quickly uh, from layer two to other chains. Uh, you know, you just can't wait for seven days, right? That's not going to help in the long term. So that's why not, there's some other for liquid day traders. Then no, oh, that's going to be even worse. Yeah, imagine like <laughs> you have to trade like a hundred x leverage. You're getting liquidated. There's no way you can wait that long. Got it. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, but just um, to finish that thought, yeah. um, uh, I think there's uh, some other options that's being brought forward, like optimism rollup, uh, as well as zero knowledge rollup or zk rollup. Um, all of those options are, I think they're very close to production. Uh, so hopefully when they come out, that's going to solve some of the, the existing pain points we're seeing. Yeah. And and as they do come up, they'll hit the, the weekly roundup. Uh, we'll be keeping a close oh, yeah. eye over New here. Back. New kids on the block. Um, lastly, in closing here, um, we talked about Ethereum. I mean, it, it would behoove me to ask you, <laughs> are there any competitors? Are there any other platforms that are out there today that are trying to go toe to toe with Ethereum? There are so many other chains who proclaimed to be Ethereum killers, and we've been seeing like chains like Solana and uh, Avalanche, uh, and even um, Polygon. Like all of these chains, they they're trying to replace ethereum to become the number one um you know chain in terms of usage and uh, usability what i would say to that is it, it does look promising you know in terms of what they can offer like i think solana in terms of the coin um you know did probably like a 20x this year uh and so did you know avalanche and um uh and, and polygon right polygon was the one it's technically a side chain but they they got a lot of attention earlier this year because of the liquidity farming rewards they offered so i think it definitely it's a good thing to have competitors because that's going to keep ethereum um growing and also trying to find the edge against against these other chains um however i think do think in the long term uh ethereum is still going to be the number one chain because just the sheer amount of network effects and the amount of people who are using the chain cannot be matched with the other competitors 
Yeah, they have market share. And obviously, Solana and and also Avalanche have both jumped tremendously in price uh, this year alone. And and Polygon recently list, listed on Coinbase. So um, some some big moves there um, with with the competition. Uh, yeah. Interesting to see how it shakes out. I'm, I'm I'm looking at the current price, and Ethereum has jumped uh, 25 bucks uh, since we started recording. Uh, oh. So roughly five percent okay. in the last so- hour. So, so you're, you're saying welcome. we're pumping that? We're pumping Ethereum <laughs> tremendously. Everyone out there, uh, you know, all the s- seven people that listen to us uh, so far, thank <laughs> you very much. You're welcome. And all that good stuff. Um, yeah, so um, really exciting stuff. Um, you know, hopefully we can kind of touch upon some some additional interesting topics uh, in the coming weeks. I know we want to talk about NFTs um, in additional detail. Yeah. Um, anything, uh, you know, anything, any, anything in closing that you want to kind of touch upon you do? I just have a quick question for you, Hody. Oh, talk to me. Let's hear it. What's your, what are you most looking forward to in the next month or so in the crypto space? Well, I want to see everyone who's invested, you know, a ton of money in Shiba Inu, uh, today, uh, <laughs> absolutely lose their, lose their pants. Uh, I'm excited for, uh, for I, I see, I see the pattern now, like you're in Dogecoin and Shiba. Yeah. I like coins. little, little dogs. If you know me, uh, you know, I have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have cute little dogs, little, little Pomeranian Husky mixes and things like that. So yeah, I see, uh, I, I, no, but, but in all seriousness, I, I'd love to see where Ethereum goes. Uh, it's, you know, it's at 3,500 now. Um, you know, can we make it to 6k before the end of the year? Um, I'm bullish uh, to to kind of monitor that as it goes on, um, but um, you know there's there's some interesting projects out there like your polka dots um, and avalanche. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we haven't even touched on polka dots. We haven't touched on polka dot. It's it's probably something that we should talk about in greater detail in a, in another episode. But um, there there are a couple projects out there that I'm keeping my you know my eyes on. You know, you mm-hmm. know. I don't really know what I'm looking at a lot of the times, but, uh, you know, they, they interest me and, uh, they certainly are, um, interesting projects and use cases out there. So, uh, you know, more to come, I guess. Yeah. I'm hearing we should do three more episodes like this on these different chains. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at that. We're, we're in the kitchen folks and we're cooking as we speak. So, <laughs> Uh, you do. Thank you very much uh, for your time tonight. And uh, thanks to all the listeners uh, for listening. Talk to you guys uh, next week. All right. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you.